Have you ever heard of the gospel artist Tasha Cobbs Leonard? Mm, her song Break Every Chain is life. Like my husband and I love to sing it in the car and just belt it out, but it gets me every time. You're just going to have to go listen to it. And you know, I I wish she was here like just singing this whole message because she could sing it so much better than I could even speak it. <laughs> I'm going to link her song in the show notes for later, but the song opens with there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And there is power in the name of Jesus to, as it says in Isaiah 61, 1, bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Today is our last step in this four-step series to find freedom from sin. And we've walked through step one, encountering God. Step two, surrendering to God. Step three was walking in community. And now step four, the final step in this process is being transformed and finally walking in true and lasting freedom and no longer being bound by your past. If you've had that encounter with God, he's knocked you on your butt, healed you, met you on the bathroom floor at the bottom of your lowest of lows, and that led you to surrender, that full surrender, and you're surrounded by community and you have accountability and mentors and wise input, you can trust that this next step of transformation is real and it's true. And you can experience freedom from your past life, from that sin that you were caught up in. But don't take my word for it. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, so if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Are you ready to break free? Go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, Take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. All right, real quick before we jump in, I have to remind you that on Saturday, I have a super, super special live on Facebook episode in my group. That's Christian Wife and Marriage group in Facebook. You can click on it in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash Christian Wife and Marriage Community. That's B-I-T dot L-Y Christian Wife and Marriage Community. And you can only watch it live in that Facebook group. So come join us in there. Watch it live. You get to chat with us, ask us questions, and just get to see my, my friend share her heart and her journey with being angry with God feeling far from him, wondering where he is, and why after walking in obedience and 
her calling, everything just seemed to shatter. And I cannot wait to share that with you. A portion of it will air as an episode later on that day, but you're not going to want to miss the entire conversation. So come join us. It's going to be great. Now let's get to this last step in this four-part series. It's been a long series, but I feel like it's all been worth it for this very episode, for this final step in finding freedom from sin. I mean, All of us have faced a time in our lives, if not multiple times in our lives, where we have been so caught up in sin, where we have been blinded to our own choices, where we have caused damage in relationships, where we have turned our backs on God, where we've just been making wrong decisions left and right and can't seem to stop or can't figure out a way to actually walk out our freedom that we have in Christ. And so if you haven't listened to the first three episodes, I suggest you go back and listen to those in order. And then this final one is by no means um, an arrival. It's not like once you get to this final step, you are perfect, that you are no longer a sinful person. It just means that you are walking in the freedom that you have in Christ and you're not bound by your sin. You're not defined by your sin and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to do things differently. So let's start with looking at the definition of transformation. I just, I don't know if it's because I love English and grammar and all of that or if I'm just a nerd, but of course I always have to look up the definition. So sorry, not sorry. (laughs) The definition of transformation, there were three that I liked. The first one said, the state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. So in thinking about spiritual transformation, it's the state of not being confined by the chains of our sin. We aren't in a prison of shame anymore. When we are transformed after having that encounter with God and surrendering to him and being surrounded by a Christian community where they are pouring into us and holding us accountable to our actions, we are no longer inside of that prison of shame or confined by the spiritual restraints of the shackles that sin does to us and keeps us back from all that God has planned for us, his purposes, his calling on our lives. All of that is gone when we're transformed. The next definition says, exemption from external control, interference, regulation. So I thought, well, in spiritual transformation, that means we're no longer needing external correction, um, external motivation or consequences or punishment, you know, the reprimanding or the physical separation from a spouse or the public embarrassment from our sins or any other external motivation. When we're transformed spiritually, it's now uh, an intrinsic motivation. And we have the ability to be controlled from the inside. We have self-control. We have the ability to be renewed in our minds and our hearts and have new desires. And I love that just example of spiritual maturity. And not that we don't need any external guidance from our community, from them noticing us maybe getting off track and and coming to us and 
reminding us, but we no longer are reliant only on that. And we have the ability from the inside out to make better choices. And the third definition that I found says that transformation is the power to determine action without restraint. So in thinking about spiritual transformation again, it's meaning that you're no longer held back. You're no longer um, restrained by your sin and you can act differently. You can determine to change the patterns of your behavior, even if it's hard, (laughs) especially if it's hard and definitely not in your own strength. But how do we really, really know if we've been transformed and are truly set free from the grips and the chains of our past mistakes or from our shameful sin? These are the signs of a transformed life. And we're going to walk through them one by one. Number one is a renewed mind. Number two, a realigned heart. Number three, reclaimed identity. And number four, a repurposed mission. Those are the four signs that at least in my life and other lives that I've seen around me that have walked through similar testimonies, those are the four signs that our lives have truly been transformed by this encounter and surrender and this process of being in community with other believers. So let's look at number one, a renewed mind. And this is learning to dwell on and fix our minds on biblical truth. And this really is accomplished by the renewing of our minds. It's an inward spiritual transformation that then turns into or comes out as (laughs) outward actions. So it's going to be evident In our actions and how we treat our husband, how we treat our neighbor, our friends, our family, when we start to treat them differently, it's coming from a place of this inward spiritual renewal of our minds. And the Bible presents that life in Christ when it's demonstrated as in Colossians 1.10 says, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. So when we start to bear good fruit, which we'll talk about that fruit in a little bit, when we start to bear that fruit, that is the evidence of the inward transformation. There's an author, her name is Ruth Haley Barton. She put this really well, and I'm just going to read to you straight from her quote. It's a long one, but it's good. It says, that transformation by the renewing of our minds is to resist being conformed to this world and seek instead to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Greek word nous, N-O-U-S, translated mind in Romans 12.2, includes, but goes far beyond, intellectual or cognitive knowing. It denotes the seat of reflective consciousness and encompasses a person's faculties of perception and understanding as well as the patterns of feeling, judging, and determining that shape our actions and responses in the world. Thus, any approach to transformation that seeks to bring about real change must go beyond merely grasping information at the cognitive level to full knowledge that impacts our deepest inner orientations and trust structures, false self-patterns, 
and any obstacles that prevent us from fully surrendering to God. This kind of change involves clear teaching about the nature of the Christian life, concrete practices that help us internalize truth in ways that change how we respond to the world and community that supports and catalyzes the process. (laughs) That's a super fancy way of saying, basically, the renewing of our minds is more than just head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's understanding it at a deeper level in our souls, in our spirits. It's understanding more about ourselves and how we operate and how the Word of God changes that in us and how being in community supports that change. And then there's just super simple black and white to the point scripture that tells us that the truth that's renewed our mind in John 8.32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Plain and simple. When you know the truth of God's word, and you believe it, it will set you free. So the first part in continuing to walk out a transformed life is to constantly go back to that truth. Remind yourself of it, so that your mind can continue to be renewed and not fall back into old patterns of thinking that we continually capture our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. The second step in knowing that your transformation is real and long-lasting is that we have a reclaimed identity in Christ. When we have walked through these steps of encountering Him in a very real way and surrendering our wills to Him, and surrounding ourselves with community that helps us to walk out this life, we can stand firm in this new and reclaimed identity in Him. Galatians 5, 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. You can stand firm and stand fast in the fact that you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. We're honestly like a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. It's a metamorphosis. It's a transformation and there's no going back. A butterfly cannot reverse itself back to a caterpillar once it's gone through this process. And it may be a slow process, and it may feel like you're in the dark for a while, and you're not sure if transformation is really happening. A butterfly inside the cocoon isn't necessarily aware of all of the transformation going on. And it may feel dark, and you're not sure when you're going to break free. But when you do, you can trust that there's no going back to being the old you. You are new in him. And you can stand firm in that. The third way to tell that your transformation, your freedom is real is when you have a realigned heart, which is basically learning how to walk by the spirit, not listening to your own heart's desires, your own flesh or sinful nature. Back in the same chapter of Galatians in chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. In the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. 
Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We can crucify our fleshly desires because the transformed life that we are now living, it is a reflection of um, the attitude that Paul had in Galatians 2.20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, as an army brat, which I'm sure by now you've heard me say before, <laughs> I know the sacrifice personally of the saying that freedom isn't free. It costs something. And your freedom was bought and paid for on the cross. So that means that you can walk a transformed, free life from bondage of sin that you were you know, once entangled in because he paid the wages of your sin up on that cross, which means that that empowers you to crucify the fleshly desires that you have that you want to act on. And you can actually die to self to walk in freedom. You can say no to those desires. You can walk away from them. You can no longer be bound by them and feel that same pull and draw toward them because you can lay them at the foot of the cross and surrender them to the one that already took the cost of those potential actions and repercussions away from you. And through the gospel of Christ, we learn that in, like it says in Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Because as Romans 8.13 says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So with a realigned heart for this desires that God wants for you and no longer the desires for your old sinful nature, you will have an easier time, a transformed mind and heart to be able to walk in the way that he wants, in a way that honors and glorifies him and is in your best interest and for your good. And the last sign that you have been transformed and your freedom from sin is real and tangible and true is a repurposed mission from someone that was self-centered, self-righteous, focused on our desires and what we want. Our repurposed mission is to serve one another in love. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, and for you, sisters, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so Paul's telling the Galatians to not use this freedom that they have in Christ as an excuse to do whatever they want, saying, oh, well, Jesus already paid for all my sins, so I can do whatever I want because he's going to forgive me anyway. 
He's saying, no, use this freedom to deny your own flesh and serve and love others that are difficult to love, that it's hard to love others without this freedom away and, and focus off of ourselves. We are better equipped to love others. This spiritual transformation takes place over time with community around, with others in the context of these practices and disciplines that we need to have in place, like reading our Bible, like going to church and being in community with others. And this transformation is going to happen little by little, incrementally. And we need each other in order to keep growing. And we have to be the iron that sharpens iron and be there to encourage one another to keep going. Paul's teaching on this spiritual transformation in the book of Romans in chapter 12 and in others that he wrote was written in the and given in the context of community to the body of believers. He often wrote to a church and its many members. And we are given to one another as members of one body to spur one another on in love and good deeds to encourage each other to use our spiritual gifts for God's glory, for each other's benefit. And I love this quote from um, a book called Invitation to a Journey. It says, We can no more be conformed to the image of Christ outside corporate spirituality than a coal can continue to burn outside of the fire. We need each other to continue on this repurposed mission that we have to serve one another in love. And while, you know, our private spiritual disciplines like um, our quiet time with God, prayer, reading the scriptures, examining our hearts and confessing, retreating into quiet times with God, really to be effective in our transformation, we have to include these disciplines of community like worshiping together and teaching each other and having communion together, showing hospitality and having each other over, caring for each other when we are in need. If we are held back and bound and in chains to our past sinful natures, whatever it was, whether it's within our marriage or before we got married or if you're still single it's something that you've done that you're ashamed of we're not able to renew our minds and have realigned hearts and repurposed missions to further the kingdom if we're held back we have to break free in order to be effective and maybe if you have been held back and you still are Maybe part of it is because you feel like that's what defines you. That's who you are. It's the stamp on you. It's the scarlet letter. It's, it's just your lot in life. But the good news is that you're not defined by that. You're not known to God by the past. And I love the scene in The Chosen. Of course, this program took the liberty to give Mary Magdalene a little bit of extra history as a prostitute and... She was called by another name, and she comes walking um, out of this bar. She was pretty caught up in her sinful life, in depression, and in her demon possession. 
And by the people in that town, the people that she was surrounded by while she was in that sin, she was known by this name. And when Jesus meets her outside of a bar that she was coming out of, he crosses paths with her as she's coming out and he calls her by her actual name. And all he says is her name, Mary. And I've, I've referenced this in another episode because it's just so powerful. And I think it's the very first episode of the first season. So if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. But he calls her by her, her actual name. He saw her and he knew her for who he had made her to be, not what others had defined her by. And when he heals, it's final. Whether it's here on earth or whether it's once we get to heaven, but whatever our outer circumstances are, our earthly bodies are doing or going through, we belong to him. Our identity is in him. And again, to quote Tasha Cobbs, because I can't help myself, I hear the chains falling. But gosh, I wish she could just be here to sing that whole thing. So don't forget to click on the song in the show notes because it's so good. But the chains fall when he decides to set you free and you have surrendered to that process, you can trust that those chains are gone, you walk in freedom, that we are transformed into new creations, and we are adopted daughters of the King. We have a new last name, a new family. Our names are written in the book of life and on the palms of his hands. You are free, friend, so believe it. And if you've made it this far in this series, thank you for listening to all of them. And if you've made it this far in the episode, I just want to give you one last reminder, one last call to come join the Christian Wife and Marriage community on Facebook because there's no other way to watch this special live episode with my friend. You don't want to miss it. Click on it in the show notes and I'll see you there. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.